So tonight we are continuing our, um, we, we started a series last week we call it Relationship Goals, okay? And so for those of you who missed it, we started it off by talking about authority and like the different authorities in our lives. And, and that's part of, that's one part of a relationship in our life, the authorities that we have in our lives, whether it's our parents, a teacher, the police, the government, whatever that is, and kind of where that fits. So if you want some more information, you can go check it out on the GCC Youth Podcast. It's up now. So this week, as we continue this series, we're going to talk about the people who probably have the most influence in our lives. Are you ready? Oh, people. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't the slide that I wanted. Not really. Even though older people do have influence in our lives, it's true. I do believe the group that has the most influence in our lives is actually our friends. Okay, so tonight we're talking about the relationships we have with our friends. It's good to have friends, right? Do y'all like to have friends? It can be old friends, friends, and that's a double whammy of goodness. So, yeah. So, (laughs) friends, that's correct, John. Friends can help us through good times, right, and difficult times. And we share uh, share common ground with our friends. Um, We share struggles, uh, hurts. We share our victories with our friends. We celebrate with them. Someone once said this, and you guys have probably heard it, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Do you guys get that? Do you guys understand that? How many of you heard it? Have you guys heard it before? So this can be a great thing if we have uh, healthy friendships, right? Show me your friends from a healthy friendship and I'll show you your future, a healthy future, right? The friendships, though, will likely determine the direction and quality of your life, your friendships that you choose. And this is a biblical thing. This isn't like a made-up thing that sounds great. Uh, Proverbs 13.20 talks about it. It says, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Hang out with wise people, and you're going to become wiser, right? Hang out with people who are making right decisions, and you're going to learn to make right decisions. You're going to take, take something from that. You're going to watch what they're doing. But look at the second part of that verse. A companion of fools suffers harm. Sometimes the people we hang out with might not be the best people for us, and they aren't really looking out for what's best for us, are they? I'm going to ask you a hard question. This doesn't pertain to everybody. It may not pertain to anybody in this room, hopefully. But have you ever thought that maybe the reason your life is so hard and you keep messing up is because all your friends are fools? Just think about that. Like, If you've ever had unhealthy relationships, then you know what that means for you. It's true, though. We become the people that we surround ourselves with. And if those people are unwise, if they're foolish, they do crazy things, prone to trouble, that's who we can become. That's just the nature of how it works. And it proves that biblical principle uh, correct. So our friends are going to be either one of two things. They're either going to be people of real substance, true substance, who know the truth, or people who have got that bad vibe about them, who choose to live live a selfish life, who make foolish choices, um, who do things that are stupid, who cause us to fail and make poor choices ourselves, you know? So last week I said, if you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, right? And if your friends, if they're the wrong kind of friends, they can help you win all kinds of stupid prizes, okay? But the fact is the people that we choose to call friends are the same people that will either encourage us to grow closer to God or they're not. They'll push us away from Him. Okay, there's only there's only two ways to go. There's no there's no fence riding really. You're either <clears throat> growing closer to God or you're far, farther away from Him. And how many of you in this room, um, and I, I'm including myself, have 
have ever temporarily abandoned like a conviction that you had because of a friend. I mean, I know I've done that. And that's a very easy way to, to abandon something that you have as a conviction is through our friendships. Here's another way to ask the question. How many have you ever disregarded what you felt was right instead and you followed the advice or the influence of a friend? I can raise my hand there as well. I would say that most of us here have done that. Um, and if you haven't already, then at some point in your life, you'll have to make a choice between your friends and your convictions. You have to make that choice. And, and the choices you make in those times will, will likely determine your future, especially immediately, but could determine your future long-term as well, depending on the ramifications of those choices that you make from the influence of your friends. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You can have as many friends as you like, but just know that most of them probably, not necessarily, but probably most of them aren't going to be the ones that are bold enough to speak truth, especially God's truth, into your life over what everyone else is saying or doing, okay? Uh, You'll probably only find a handful of people who are actually going to push you in that direction. And usually find those friends is an important thing to do, but you know, you may not be able to count them on one hand. You may maybe only have two or three that are really going to push you in that direction and in a strong way. And the end of that verse says, there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. How many of you in here have, have siblings, brothers or sisters? Okay, so wow, this, this is going to be very easy for you guys to get. Ever had a little sibling, brother or sister, that wouldn't leave you alone? Okay. <laughs> Ever had an older sibling who wouldn't let you go? You know, they're holding you and like holding you down or something, giving you a noogie or something, you know? Ever had a um, a brother or sister who would fight with you just because they were you were their sibling, you know? It was just how it happens, right? And they just always stu- just stuck to you, stuck closer than a brother. Okay, Jesus is the perfect example of this for you, but in a positive way. Um, the Bible says He'll never leave us or forsake us. That's in Hebrews thirteen five. We might turn from Him, and a lot of times we will. The decisions that we w- make, but He'll always be be there waiting for us to run back to Him. He doesn't abandon us. I mean, it's just a turn, it's just a 180 from where we're going. If we're not going the right way, that we're back in his arms, okay? And you got to understand that because there are a lot of times in life where you might be in a place to where you think that God is not anywhere near you, and he didn't leave you, and he didn't forsake you. He's there. So, and in whatever way that God chooses to do it, he will always love you. He'll confront you when needed, um, whether that's through someone or a truth that that just kind of hits you, something you might feel in your heart. He'll even fight you for you, you know, to get you back. He proved his love by doing this when he died for us. And just side note, just so you know, Jesus wasn't this, this, uh, I don't know how you see Jesus as your perspective of who Jesus was. He wasn't this weakling guy, you know, who walked around the streets just, you know, patting people on the shoulder, hugging them, telling them everything's going to be all right. And, you know, uh, some people might depict him in in a very light manner, but Jesus was very intentional in everything that he did, and he certainly wasn't weak. How many true carpenters have you seen who are just like wimpy, weak dudes, you know? He was, I imagine he was a pretty strong man. And with all that, as we talked last week, he, he also spoke with authority. But he spoke truth into people's lives. He wasn't afraid to do it. And it's the same truth that you and I have as a resource today in his word, okay? And that's the cool part about what he left with us. He didn't leave us hanging. You know, he left us with the Holy Spirit. He left us with his word as, as power, as a resource to live today. So he's the perfect example of, of the brother who won't leave us alone, who sticks close all the time, but for our sake. And so 
He calls us his friends when we choose to follow him. So here's a question. Do you want all that God has to offer for your life? Do you want everything that he has to offer? Um, If so, then next to your salvation, one of the most important things you need to have is friends who are like Jesus. Find the friends who are most like Jesus and draw close to those friends. Not perfect friends, okay? Because none of us are perfect, right? We're not looking for perfection. I think that's a lot of times what we look for in friendships is we want to look for things to be completely perfect. And when there's one thing that's wrong that's out of line, and I've done it too, you kind of disqualify that person as a friend, you know, as a friend possibility or as like this can be a friendship that lasts. And, but you need to choose friends who are willing to be perfected by God, who show it, who live their life in that way. Um, and one of the best things we can do as a friend to others and we can allow friends to do to, to us is allow friends to speak into your life. We need to give our friends permission to speak truth into our life. We'll talk about this a little bit more here. So we need to choose friends who aren't afraid of, you know, when it's necessary to get in their face and tell us what's up. You should be choosing, choosing friends who speak truth into your life, even though it might hurt. And it will be hard for them to do that, too. It won't be something that's easy for them to do, but that's actually a loving thing that they're doing for you. Okay, it's not unloving. And you should be okay with having friends who you don't always agree with, okay? Friends who disagree with us shouldn't be people that we, we cut off or call unfriendly or call unloving, okay? There, there's a damaging epidemic in our nation, in our community, in our schools, in our social circles, where if you disagree with someone, somehow you now are disconnected or shut off from that person completely and whether it's you shutting them off or getting completely offended that you said something they don't agree with, and then there goes the friendship. And this is not okay. This is not how it's supposed to be. Listen, it is okay to disagree with someone and still be their friend, okay? Even on some large matters, really, because there are some essentials that we ought to agree on, some biblical foundations and things that we ought to agree on as friends. But you can be friendly to people as well and still disagree with them. We have to grow in maturity enough to, to work out those differences and do it the right way. And you and your friends should really speak up to one another when, when there's something in your life that isn't productive or doesn't line up with how God wants you to live. It doesn't make them judgmental. That's not making them judgmental. It, it shows their love towards you when they do that, and it makes you loving when you do the same. And there's a right, right way to do it. One huge hindrance to this working out, however, is the attitude of don't judge me. Don't judge me. I know we've all heard it. People always saying, you can't judge me or or only God can judge me. Well, God can judge you. But as Christians, as believers, let's take a look at what the Bible says about it. Because it's not entirely true, this statement. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, it's kind of a long one. I'll break it apart for you. It's maybe hard to read. So it says, if your brother or sister sins or sins against you. Now, in the Greek, brother and sister Go back to where, how this was originally written, okay? You look at the original meeting, the original context of where this was written. Brother or sister, the word for that is adelphos, and it means um, a fellow disciple here is what it means. So that's whether male or female. It says brother or sister sins against you. Go and point out their fault just between the two of you, okay? If they listen to you, you have won them over, which is a good thing, right? Because now it's resolved. 
He goes on to say, if they won't listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And that goes back to Deuteronomy when it's talking about how things are established, um, how there's proof for things that are established that way when there's an issue. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And then if they still refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. It should rarely ever get to that point. That's when things have gone really bad, okay? Or someone is very deceived, very lost, very distant. Listen, there's an order to how God wants us to resolve conflict with one another. And the best takeaway you can have from this verse is that first part, that we go directly to the person that offended us first. And this is hard to do, I understand. It's not easy. Because you've got the feelings, you've got the emotions running from what happened. Take a second, take a little bit, but don't let it fester for too long. Go as quickly as you can to that person. How many of you realize that most of the time we do this completely backwards, right? How does it normally, how does it normally work out for us? I mean, how many times do, does someone do something to offend us uh, or, or we offend someone else and they immediately run and tell another friend or a group of friends? Like, if I'm offended and have a problem with, with Jonathan here, okay, that doesn't mean I should go over here to Justin or to a group of other people, of his friends, and start spreading the issue that I have with Jonathan around. Well, that's the wrong way to do it. But that's the way we do it so many times, right? I mean, it's true. So, okay, if that's the way we do it, let's just, let's just understand that's not the right way to do it, according to the Bible, okay? According to how God wants us to do it. And that's how many relationships between friends can go sour. People lose their minds over one another. Fights happen, and so on. It costs people their friendships and a lot more. Go directly, go quickly as you can to the person who offended you. Work to make it right. Ask the Lord for peace and wisdom in the meantime as you're going and what to say, and then go to them first. That's the main thing. Now, this next part will come up a lot of times when we begin to bring uh, things up to a friend, and so we need, to, we need to cover it. Let's talk about judging people. Should we judge other people? Okay, so let's explore this for a minute. There's a, it's a funny observation that people do just fine with judgment until they feel judgment coming their way, right? They're, people don't like to be judged, but they don't have a problem judge, judging others, right? Here's the truth about judging others. We're not called to judge people who don't claim to know Christ as their Savior. We're not called to judge non-believers. We're not called to judge uh, people who are lost, who don't know the light. God does that, but... Christians are called to judge what comes out of the lives of other believers. Okay? Here's what I mean by this. I'll unpack it. Christians are called to judge the explicitly sinful behavior of another professing Christian. Because there's a lot that comes with saying, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a Christian. If you say that to someone and they're trying to figure out what you should look like and they go to the Word and find out what the Word says about what a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ is supposed to look like and it does not match up with how you live your life, there is a problem. Now, we're not all perfect. We're willing to be perfected and, and we can help people understand that. But if we're explicitly making sinful choices, then that's when, and that comes out in our life, that's when we can be confronted and someone can make a judgment about this is this is not a healthy this is not a healthy believer and so often the intent of someone's heart shows it in their behavior and so when when their senior, sinful behavior comes out what should we do well we we need to call them to repentance but we need to do it in love the main thing is that we need to work to restore the person back to Jesus that's the main thing not to call them out for something just to make a spectacle of them 
And you don't do these things in a group like this. I wouldn't call Jonathan out, you know, and just start going crazy on him because of something that I don't agree with or that he offended me on, you know. That's not the way to do it. You come to him in, in, in love. You say, Jonathan, listen, I love you, and this is what I'm going to tell you why I'm, what I'm going to tell you right now. Um, I've got this problem with, with how you've been acting lately. You're acting a fool. Stop acting a fool. You know, and I'll tell him what it is specifically and go from there. And... um Tell them why I'm coming. And just that's a mature way to come about what you what you want to say. First Corinthians 5.12, it backs it up. It says, uh, 5.12 and 13 says, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. <clears throat> this is Paul. He's talking to the Corinthian church. But we're called by God to help each other, to build each other up, to spur each other on in our faith. And there will be times when that means standing up and saying something to a friend and confronting a friend. So Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. How many times do we have a confrontation with someone and it's a gentle conversa- confrontation? Not, not likely. We'll talk about that in a minute. And, and this seems contrary to what the world's idea is of, of what's okay and how to resolve differences. And it is contrary to what the world says. God's ways aren't the world's ways. And a lot of times it doesn't make sense to us because it's like, man, I can't, I can't go to that person. I'm just going to blow up. You know, well, you need to take a minute and just ask for the peace of God and the love of God before you go, you know, lighten into that person. But it's also something that, unfortunately, even a lot of churches don't, don't preach often. They never get past, like, the judge not thing and take it out of the context. And, and just a side note here, that whole thing in Matthew of judge not lest you be judged, just to clarify, it's not talking about not criticizing or condemning wrong, wrongdoing. What God is saying is wrong in those verses is having the spirit of fault-finding that overlooks your own failures and shortcomings and in assuming the role of, like, a supreme judge where you are basically sentencing others regarding their sins. And, and so that's what that is saying. And as hard as it may be for us to swallow this concept, it is Christians who are called to help help keep fellow Christians um, in check, for lack of a better word. And this is, part of, this is really part of a healthy Christian community and friendship. Um, but we should do it out of genuine love. That's how we should do it, without, without sentencing anyone. And remember that God is the final judgment for everyone. We are not the final, but we are just to help each other, love each other. And that is loving when you when you can confront people when it's necessary. And there will be times, I hope, when another Christian friend will approach you about something they see in your life, they want to talk with you about, and maybe you'll give them the opportunity to do that in a loving way. So invite them to speak into your life. Let people speak into your life, but listen for the voice of God to confirm it. We've talked about how to hear God's voice in, in past messages. Uh, go to His Word, pray about it, seek out what He wants for you, maybe getting someone else's counsel who's, who's more mature than you in the faith, and so on. So let everyone speak into your life, but listen for the voice of God for your final decision. I, I believe that this type of intervention where we allow one person to speak, in, another speaker into our lives, another person to speak into our lives is essential to Christ-based community. Uh, of course, if someone's going to love you enough to speak into your life or you speak into theirs, there will be times when there's something called confrontation, the C word, ooh, confrontation. Who likes the word confrontation? Most of you are probably like, that's a bad thing. That's a negative thing, confrontation. I don't want to that. Confrontation is really just facing up and dealing with an issue. And when confrontation is between friends, there's usually all sorts of emotions running wild and things can easily get out of hand if it isn't done right. But the fact is we have to confront people at times. 
So confrontation doesn't always end that peaceful as that is, but that's an exaggerated of kind of how things go before they have to get resolved. You know, things usually go a long, a long time and uh, a lot longer than they need to before they get resolved in confrontation. But it's necessary from time to time. And it doesn't always have to be a negative thing. Uh, it is part of life. And the main thing is that we do it out of love for one another again and do it with the intention of restoring the other person, of helping the other person. As Christians, you got to understand we're always going to be at war with something. The Bible is clear that we're not fighting things that we see, but things that are not seen. And that's hard for us to comprehend that we live in such a tangible world. But there are spiritual forces that affect our attitude, our emotions, our, our sinful intentions. The list goes on. And most of the battle you face might be with yourself, you know, it might be in your heart or your head. And you never get it wrong by speaking God's truth into someone's life, um, as long as you do it out of love for that person. So we need to be willing to say things like this to our friends. We can say, you know, I can't stop you from doing what you're doing. I can't go with you, but I'll be here when you get back. Instead of joining them in their folly we need to be able to be willing to say listen can't go where you're going don't agree with what you're doing this is why it's wrong i see it in your life i love you that's why i'm telling you about it when you come back i will be here so to finish the segment of the relationship goals series um, i just want to challenge you some of you might have friends that you have no business being with maybe maybe you're hanging around fools (laughs) i don't know and maybe you're at risk of becoming one yourself but you know maybe that you have to make a change you just have to make a change. I mean, school starts up next week. And what you've got to do is decide, but you've got to decide right now what kind of friends you're going to have, okay? Decide who you're going to be associating yourself with, who you're going to be a companion of. And you need to decide what kind of friend you're going to be as well. And you need to plan before you get into a bad situation with so-called friends, okay? So I want you to just think about that as we talked about friends tonight. If you need help in this area, find one of us to speak with, one of, one of the leaders. Um, if you're just in a sit- weird situation with it, you know, you just need some perspective, we'll be glad to help you with that. But I want you to ask yourself, what will it cost me to make that decision? Because there's always a cost involved if you're in a position where you have to make that decision. And you do love people. You love your friends. But if you're in a position to where you have to make the decision that I can't, I can't continue to pursue life and pursue that friendship because it's unhealthy, whatever that looks like, what is that going to cost you? You have to be willing to pay that, that price. That There will most of the time be a price with that. It may cost you some old relationships that weren't productive. It, it might cost you a reputation you're trying to uphold. I, there may be people that get mad at you or something, but you have to be willing to make that decision to follow what we know is, is, is true, what we know is right, what we know God wants us to be. The payoff of making that right decision is really when we make true friendships that last uh, and that honor God, and that's, that's the payoff.